Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And a good afternoon. Welcome to a greatly expanded Saskatchewan agriculture today. Beginning today, Saskatchewan agriculture starts following the 12 noon news package. It's designed to provide you with the latest farm market news and information Monday through Friday. Today we take a comprehensive look at grain markets. And later on, the Prime Minister talks about food safety and the reopening of the Cargill meat plant in High River, Alberta, which handles over one-third of all of Canada's beef. The plant was shut down two weeks ago because of a COVID-19 outbreak affecting workers. And it caused a backlog of cattle going to market. The senior analyst with Farm Marketing Solutions, Neil Townsend, takes a major look at the outlook for prices for wheat, canola and pulse crops. The farm weather remains in its usual spot at the bottom of the hour. Back in a moment. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by the Candiac Auction Mark. To consign your cattle today, call them at 424-2967. A grain market analyst says the COVID-19 outbreak has resulted in strong demand for wheat. The senior analyst with FarmLink Marketing Solutions, Neil Townsend, says spring wheat prices will likely hover around the $6.50 a bushel mark. To start with wheat, I mean, I think wheat sort of had a little bit of a weather moment, a weather market moment that has been going on for the last, uh, you know, several weeks. Coupled with, you know, there has been an increase in purchasing and demand due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, you know, wheat is obviously one, you know, one of the staple grains of the world. It's a, it's something that people rely on for nutrition and also it's a big thing for food security. So we have seen increased buying interest. I mean, in North America, we've seen a tremendous uptick in the home purchase of flour and, you know, the number one product in terms of uh, increase pre uh, coronavirus and post coronavirus was yeast that was up like almost 650%. So you know, people are trying to bake, uh, you're not hearing too much about the gluten intolerance right now because uh, people seem to want some comfort foods and stuff like that. So, you know, wheat's benefited from that, that helped the prices, but I think the weather market with, you know, poor conditions in uh, the European Union, poor conditions in the Black Sea, and poor conditions in the hard red winter areas of Kansas. What we've seen over the last couple of days is that conditions have sort of improved somewhat in the European Union, and there is the prospect of rain in Ukraine and South Russia, so that's sort of, you know, uh, weighing a little bit on the wheat market. But at the same time, I mean, uh, the reports coming out of Kansas, Oklahoma, Texas, and the hard red winter areas are are pretty grim, like, uh, you know, pretty poor weather conditions, uh, frost, and then now, you know, uh, starting to show up uh, as abnormally dry in Kansas on the on the U.S. drought monitor. So, you know, there's uh, sort of a yin and yang. But uh, in Canada, we haven't really got too much substantial planting going. So from a spring wheat side of uh the equation, uh, you know, there's, it's more of an ill-defined market, I would say. I mean, generally speaking, the increase in, in demand is being for, you know, wheat in general, not specifically to spring wheat. But I think we need to see maybe, um, you know, well, some, some weather situation in North Dakota, Montana, or, you know, uh, Western Canada to really spike that market. And, 
and bring it back to sort of a, you know, a firm premium in terms of futures and in terms of the cash markets over some of these other types of wheat that, you know, have a, you know, cheaper price, but the futures have been stronger. And I'm talking most specifically about Chicago. What is the price outlook for wheat? Well, I mean, I think like right now we're seeing, uh, you know, for one CWS 13.5 anywhere uh, on the prairies from, you know, the mid sixes to just around $7. High degree of variance depending on the geography you're in. But, uh, you know, I think right now, uh, you know, the price can't dip too much lower. I mean, one of the sort of catalysts that's a bit of a negative for Canada in the last, say, month is that, you know, the Canadian dollar went down to 68 cents and now it's sort of clawed up above 70 and towards 71 or 72. If the dollar kind of goes back to the pre-coronavirus levels of being, you know, around, uh, you know, 75, 76 cents, you know, that that would hurt the wheat prices. So our outlook is, you know, fairly strong just because we see lots of demand coming to Canada, both in this year and next year. And so, you know, our price outlook is, you know, pretty much where the prices are today. Like we, we see the better regions are going to have prices that touch seven or exceed seven for a one CWS 13.5. And the regions that just happen to be a little further afield or further from where the export uh, markets are, you know, they'll, they should be able to complete uh, transactions in the mid six range. And, and hopefully we will be a profitable uh, crop at that price. FarmLink Marketing Solutions Senior Analyst Neil Townsend says canola prices remain under pressure. Well, canola, I mean, again, you know, there's the obvious headwinds with canola. I mean, we don't see any signs of the Canada-China situation being resolved. There are uh, The hearing in um, Vancouver got postponed from the end of April into June, so we won't know whether or not the extradition uh, hearing is going to go forward. They're deciding on the double criminality now, but, you know, it just it doesn't seem like there's any traction from Canada or the Canadian farm groups to get this resolved. I know they all want to try and they all, all want to do a good job, but it seems like we're very, very much on uh, China's timeline on this. Like China's going to decide when and if they return to sort of, you know, pre-dispute levels of canola imports. In the meantime, you know, we've been import, uh, we've been exporting to, you know, quite a few other countries and, and they've shown a bit stronger demand, which is good. One of the big uh, upticks year on year in 2019-20 has been uh, the imports from uh, the EU of Canadian canola, but that's a bit threatened because in in European Union they don't really view canola oil as a human product; it's a biodiesel uh, facilitator. And uh, of course, with everybody driving less and you know all of those types of things, the same thing sort of that's pressuring ethanol down in the U.S. is pressuring biodiesel demand down in the European Union. So that that could be a catalyst to see less uh, canola exported. We expect that to continue going forward into 2020-21 if, if things do normalize, that we will start to build more market share into the European Union for Canadian canola because, simply put, I mean, the European Union is not trying to grow canola or rapeseed, as they call it there, to the same degree that they grew it over, say, the last five to ten years. In terms of a price outlook, Jim, I mean, I, I think that, you know, again, prices vary, you know, significantly across the prairies depending on where you are. Uh, you know, in the worst areas, I think it's a sub $10 for a bushel of canola right now. But in the better areas, you can get, you know, ten fifty plus. Again, I think that there's some question marks around the canola supply and demand balance. We're harvesting, you know, upwards of a million acres right now. Maybe is that in everybody's S&D or not? And we're talking about from stuff that was planted last year and overwintered. But I, I think the supply and demand looks pretty uh, loose. So that's, that's sort of debt rental to prices. Yet, I mean, I, I think that there's enough sort of uh, traction in terms of like the crushing industry has done really, really good that I don't see a big sell-off in the prices unless 
we really see a collapse in the U.S. soybean futures prices, which we haven't seen yet. That's FarmLink Marketing Solutions Senior Analyst Neil Townsend. Coming up, he takes a look at pulse crop prices. Market analyst Neil Townsend says the outlook for pulse crops is positive this spring in the short term, but he has some long-term concerns. Townsend with FarmLink Marketing Solutions says the COVID-19 outbreak has prompted hoarding of pulse crops in some regions around the world. But he says next year could see reduced demand. Yeah, I mean, certainly the coronavirus has helped on a lot of fronts in terms of grains, oil seeds, uh, and pulses. Probably grains and oil, uh, grains and pulses more than oil seeds. I mean, it's we're seeing some detrimental impacts right now in the livestock and the meat packing industry, uh, you know, from the coronavirus. But pulses is something that you know, again, it's a world staple in a lot of countries, and you know, people have been stocking pantries with uh, you know lentils and and chickpeas and uh, you know, dry beans and, and uh, peas. Uh, so, you know, we've seen demand and prices really start to boost here across the prairie. So we've seen red lentil prices get up into the 30 cent range. We've seen, uh, you know, strong prices for green peas and green lentils. And we've seen yellow peas sort of, they maybe haven't had as much of an explosion as the other things, but they've been pretty stable around, you know, in the better regions, again, plus $7 and other regions, maybe a little less. Going forward, I mean, there's certainly a bit of a risk of pantry preparedness when we talk about pulses. I mean, uh, you know, all due respect to pulses. I mean, I enjoy them very much myself, but there's a lot of people who will, you know, eat a lentil or eat a a chickpea sort of, you know, at at gunpoint or whatever, right? So you might buy them because they have a good uh, length of life uh, on the shelf. Uh, But, you know, people might, if the coronavirus fades away and they can go back to their favorite restaurants and they can go out and do things, I mean, those chickpeas or those lentils might sit on the shelf for a long time. Globally speaking, obviously, we're in countries where it's a staple, same thing has happened. People have stocked up on it. They're not going to not eat them, maybe like some of our North American brethren. But what they're going to do is they're going to eat through their own, you know, built up stockpile before they go back to the grocery store or the market and buy more. So that's one threat that we perceive for 2021. And also just that a lot of uh, action and activity in uh, Western Canada is swinging acres into particularly red lentils, that that sort of highlights a back-end risk in 2021, where we move from sort of like, you know, big demand pulling us along, but where the demand sort of fades away, and then we've got a big burdensome supply. So the price outlook for pulses remains strong for the, you know, the next few months. And into the very early part of 2020, 21, but then we see some uh, downside risk for pulses going forward. So in terms of prices, I mean, I think, you know, high 20s for red lentils right now. But again, there might be a great deal of volatility in that price in the coming marketing year. And we might see it, you know, test again the 20 cent mark in the worst times or even go below there. For yellow peas, I mean, yellow peas have a little bit more uh, uncertainty just because, uh, they still face lots of uh, restrictions and import restrictions in India, and the big market has been China. Now, China, they're fighting China and the U.S. It sounds like, you know, the markets aren't enjoying it too much because it sounds like, a, you know, a rehash of the trade wars and Trump was talking about tariffs. But in terms of how that impacts China is that, you know, China, we're sort of expecting them to make some efforts along phase one of the U.S.-China trade deal. And one crop that's a threat of losing some market share from a Canadian perspective is yellow peas, because a portion of that, and they've been very strong exports to China the last two years, but a portion of that is strictly for feed markets. And if China has to do some compulsory buying because, you know, they're trying to meet these obligations and there's just so much U.S. corn, we were thinking that maybe the corn would displace, you know, 20, 30, 40 percent of the yellow pea demand into China. So, 
yellow peas are something that we're a little bit worried about. That being said, the farmer seems to have got the signal and we see yellow pea acres being down like 6-7% next year. Neil Townsend is a senior market analyst with FarmLink Marketing Solutions. Back in a moment. The official 620 CKRM farm weather forecast is brought to you by Raymore, Yorkton and Watrous, New Holland. Get ready for seeding with New Holland equipment from Raymore, Yorkton and Watrous, New Holland. And brought to you by Shepherd Realty in Regina, specializing in farm and ranch real estate in Saskatchewan. Call Harry, Justin or Devin at 352-1866. The 620 CKRM farm weather forecast calls for partly cloudy sky, wind northwest 20, the high 14 today. 30% chance of showers tonight, the low plus 1. Tomorrow, mainly sunny sky, the high 15, the low plus 2. Wednesday, sunny with a high 17, the low plus 1. Thursday, sunny, the high 13, the low minus 1. Friday, sunny, the high 15, the low plus 1. Saturday, partly cloudy, the high 10, the low 0. Sunday, partly cloudy, the high 11. Normal high is 17 for the state, the normal low is plus 2. The sun rose at 527 this morning. It sets at 2023 tonight. That's 823. On the roundup, the hot spot is Jimmy Lake at 16 degrees, 15 degrees. The cold spot, Estevan and Weyburn both at plus 6. Estevan is 6, Saskatoon and Swift Current 10, Weyburn 6, Yorkton 10. In Regina with partly cloudy skies, it's 12, that's 54 Fahrenheit. Winds are from the southwest at 10. Humidity 63%, the barometer rising 101.8. Cloudy in Moose Jaw, 12 degrees. Winds are from the west-northwest, 28, gusting to 42. Once again, Regina partly cloudy in 12, that's 54 Fahrenheit. Back in a moment. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by McDougall Auctioneers. Get fair market value for your assets with an online auction through McDougall's Auctioneers. McDougallAuctions.com And Sask Municipal Hail Insurance. Farmers, get your spot loss hail insurance with SMHI online or connect with an agent. Storms are unpredictable. SMHI isn't. The arm of Edenwald has announced a property tax cut for landowners because of the COVID-19 outbreak. The RM has announced a 15% reduction in 2020 taxation rates for all residential, industrial, commercial and farm properties. The rural municipality, just east of Regina, had already announced there would be no late fees or penalties charged on utilities for the rest of the year. The tax notices go out in August and taxes are not due until December. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau says a safe return for workers at a Cargill meatpacking plant in High River, Alberta is a priority. The plant is being reopened today for one shift after being shut down for two weeks. More than 800 workers have tested positive for COVID-19 and one worker has died. During his pandemic briefing this morning, the Prime Minister was asked what the federal government can do to inspect those plants to ensure the utmost safety. We're working with provinces across the country to ensure that the supply chain for agriculture uh, continues. Uh, and uh, that worker safety is upheld. Uh, though That is a, a provincial uh, area of responsibility, but the federal government has a role to play as well, particularly around ensuring that there are adequate uh, safeguards and PPEs in place. One will remember that the CFIB, Canadian uh, Food Inspectors, uh, are uh, designed to inspect the food for safety, uh, are ensuring that uh, the way meat is handled, the way uh, vegetables are processed uh, is 
uh, not putting Canadian safety at risk. The responsibility for the protection of uh, the workers in that place is not the primary, uh, or hasn't been the primary responsibility of the CFIB. Uh, that is much more uh, for provincial labour codes. But we will, of course, be there to support the provinces in its work to ensure both the continued flow of uh, supply chains for our, uh, for our food, uh, but also the protection of workers uh, who could be vulnerable right across the country. The Cargill plant at High River handles more than one-third of all beef processing in Canada, and the shutdown had caused a backlog of moving cattle to market. The University of Saskatchewan has launched a new tick monitoring program across Saskatchewan. The new online program is called eTick and will enable researchers and the Ministry of Health to monitor ticks and inform residents of potential risks. People anywhere in the province will be able to take photos of ticks found on people or animals and upload them to the online database. Researchers will identify the tick within 24 business hours. The eTick platform will provide an interactive map updated in real time identifying the location of tick submissions. Environment Health Consultant Priya Gundar says those making the submission will receive a prompt message with information on the tick species, guidance on protocols to follow in the event of a tick bite, and associated health risk, if any. Saskatchewan is the first prairie province to join the National Tick Network. In previous years, the labs in Saskatoon received submissions from residents by mail. By next year, the Ministry of Health is hoping to use eTick as the only platform for public tick submissions in Saskatchewan. This segment of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Degelman Industries. Look to Degelman for the most reliable, dependable, engineered tough equipment on the market. And by YAC Auctions, the first name you should think of in the auction business, call 782-5999. The first phase of a four-year study shows beef cattle are able to tolerate higher levels of sulfates in drinking water than previously believed. This is an important issue for ranchers and community pastures relying on dugouts as their main water source. There have been isolated incidents during hot, dry conditions where cattle have become sick or even died drinking water with very high levels of sulfates. Current recommendations for suitable or safe levels of sulfate are extremely variable, anywhere from 1,000 to 2,500 milligrams of sulfates per litre of water. Greg Penner is an associate professor in the University of Saskatchewan's Department of Animal and Poultry Science. He's also the Centennial Enhancement Chair in Ruminant Nutritional Physiology. Penner is attempting to set some science-based recommendations and guidelines for sulfate levels. You know, the big issue in Saskatchewan, we have a lot of water. Unfortunately, a lot of water that is high sulfates. And there are some situations where producers do not have another option but to allow cattle to have access to water that exceeds the current recommendations. Now, in most cases, we don't see any effects. And so the question comes back, what are the actual tolerable concentrations of sulfate that can be included in the water? And that's really why we set out to do this work. This work was a direct collaboration with Ministry of Agriculture Livestock Extension Specialists and Leah Clark and Colby Elford uh, were our two main leads and contacts. And so we worked with them to understand what the impacts are for uh, heifers when they're exposed to water differing in sulfate concentration. Penner's work has involved heifers at the Livestock and Forage Centre of Excellence near Clavette between November 2018 and June 2019. 
we had tanks set up in the barn and had plumbing set up so that each heifer had their own water bowl and we could measure water intake from those water bowls and then we plumbed in and added sulfate to achieve our set goals of going from basically no added sulfate a thousand parts per million added sulfate two thousand parts per million or three thousand parts per million added Phase one of the project showed the heifers did not have any issues and continued normal weight gain, even at 3,000 milligrams of sulfate per liter of water. Penner says the next step will be continuing the study during warmer weather. So obviously being indoors and being conducted through winter and uh, spring, we did not have heifers exposed to high ambient temperatures. So under normal temperature conditions, we've been able to show that heifers can tolerate higher levels of sulfate than the current recommendations uh, imply. While the initial results are promising, the level of copper in the heifer's blood was lower at the end of the study, which could potentially affect a cow's fertility. One potential negative effect we observed was decreased concentration of one important mineral that has been involved in uh, reproduction. We know a lot about those sulfur-copper mineral interactions, and so we're looking at different mineral supplementation strategies that might reduce the impact of sulfate on the mineral status for those heifers. And we're also looking at different ways of treating the water so that the sulfate has less of an impact. Penner talks about the next phase of the study. We were set out to start another study this summer, obviously due to COVID-19 restrictions. Uh, We won't be starting that work, but the next set of projects will focus on conducting the work in outside pens, ideally during conditions where temperatures get quite high and we expect that our cattle will consume more water and be delivered more sulfate. Penners' cattle will receive water with sulfate concentrations above 3,000 milligrams per liter, with the expectation that at some point the cattle will have a negative reaction. At the same time, researchers will also test various ways of interfering with the negative reaction with the hopes of minimizing the problem before it starts. Market Update is brought to you by Scott Bjornson of Hall is Wealth. For more information or to book a free consultation, call 1-800-284-9999. And brought to you by Nelson GM, Assiniboia and Avonlea. If you are a Costco member, get huge savings on current 2019 and 2020 SUVs right now. Grain prices were mixed in early trading. Viterra's prices for canola fell $3 at four thirty seventy-eight. Oats gained six fifty-six at two thirty sixty-seven. Number one red spring wheat went down eighty cents at two twenty twenty-three. The rest all unchanged. Durham two sixty-six thirty-nine. Feed barley one eighty-three seventy-one. Flax six fourteen seventy-nine. Lentils six sixty-one fifty. Yellow peas two eighty eighty-nine. Feed wheat one eighty-two seventy. On Minneapolis, July wheat down two and three quarter cents at five oh four a bushel. The livestock quotes are brought to you by the Assiniboia and Weyburn livestock auctions. Call Assiniboia 642-4180 or Weyburn 842-4574. And brought to you by Karst Holdings in Assiniboia and Slamps Integra Tire in Grenfell. Your locally owned Integra Tire dealers.
Now the latest quotes. Heartland Livestock Market Report. Donnie Peacock reporting from the Swift Current Yards. 2,613 cattle in the Thursday calf sale. Uh, $3,182,000 worth of cattle sold. Average weight, 700 pounds, uh, $1,217 per head. That's $71 a head less than the same sale one year ago. The 930 weight straight low to steers, 147 and a quarter. Right at 9, the reds, 150. Straight semi-low to black. At 827 at 166 at 817 low to blocks 169.75. Here's some 735 weight red white faced steers 190.50. The blocks at the same 189. 700 pound red steers 205 and a quarter and a straight low to 675 weight block steers 203. The NOS from Rock Glen 75 630 fancy weight black steers 215.75 and their 78 550 weight steers bring 237 into the heifer trade 900 pound crossbred heifers 125 and a quarter the eight and a quarter weights 152 here's a set of 807 pound red cross heifers at 144 730 pound block heifers assorted load 166.75 the red cross heifers at 760 bring 157.75 straight load of 670 weight block heifers bring 178.50 here's a set of block heifers uh, just maybe not quite as fancy, 164.75. The red white face heifers at 670, bearing 170 and a half. The reds, 175. Into right at 617 pound heifers, 180 and a quarter. Uh, here's some good bodied mixed colored heifers, same weight, 176. 119, 580 pound black Angus heifers from the Noss family at Rockland, 190 and a half. The 550 weights, 193. Here's 87, 480 pound grasser heifer calves, 214.75. The breeding heifers certainly dominated the highlights. The Forbes Ranch from, from Brownlee at 34, 770 weight black heifers at 180. And the Fikes Ranch from uh, Scepter at 41, 808 pound red heifers at 177. 27, 840 weight red heifers at 173. And 37, 930 weight red heifers at 168. That's the way it is in cattle country, Heartland Swift Current. The Hog Report is unavailable today and currently in Regina with partly cloudy skies. It's 12, that's 54 Fahrenheit. Stay tuned, coming up, the Resource Report.